In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Hey, everybody. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with a very special Southern Fried Soccer podcast for you today. Why is it special? Because we're going to preview Atlanta United's MLS season. It's sixth in the league. The team opens on Sunday, hosting Sporting Kansas City at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I will be there. If you see me walking around, please feel free to come up and say hello. Uh, Just make sure you tell me your name. I always like to hear y'all's names. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now, and on Instagram at Douglas David Robertson. So, all of my copy is turned in for our preview section or preview pieces that will be in Sunday's Atlanta Journal Constitution. I hope that you'll uh, subscribe either to the e paper or to the hard paper or, you know, whatever you want to do. But in it, you're going to find a big feature on Atlanta United manager Gonzalo Pineda. And I'm going to have some audio about him coming up for you in just a little bit. A player-by-player look at the roster. It won't include the players who were on season-long loans. You're going to see my picks in the standings in the East and the West. And there's going to be a couple of surprises in there for you. A couple of teams that did well last year I don't think are going to be very good this year. And a couple of teams that weren't very good last year. I think could be pretty good this year. You're going to have a Q&A with goalkeeper Brad Guzan, who you're going to hear from in just a little bit. And there might be a couple more little surprises in the paper. So, again, please consider subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Please consider click, share, and subscribing to this Southern Fried Soccer podcast. It's doing very well, and that is all because of y'all. Your great questions, you're listening, you're sharing, you're telling people, you're reaching out to me, and I very much appreciate it. Um, as a gift to you, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution has a special offer for Atlanta United supporters and listeners to this podcast. If you subscribe today, you will not only get unlimited digital access to the AJC and the Sunday paper for $2.30 a week, but we are also throwing in a special limited edition Atlanta United and Atlanta Journal Constitution scarf. It's a good looking scarf. So sign up now at subscribe.ajc.com slash UTD scarf. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash UTD scarf. So I'm going to flip things around a little bit today and I'm going to do the mailbag first and then I'm going to get into my thoughts on Atlanta United second. Uh, just to kind of mix it up a little bit and to help y'all get some more ideas about what's coming up. So first question is from Jim. Thank you, Jim. 
He says, thanks for all your great Atlanta United coverage. I especially enjoy your podcast Q&As. Well, I enjoy the work y'all put into them. A couple of days ago, Jim says, he read a great in-depth article on all the 2021 MLS rules and regulations. I didn't know anything about the MLS player professional development role, last section of the article, but it got me thinking. Coffee sip. Hey, I like that idea. I got a cup of coffee right here. I'm going to have a sip. Mm. There we go. Can you confirm or deny? Ooh, he must be an attorney. If Ozzy Alonso is participating in the player professional development role for Atlanta United. We do not know that yet. Uh, we will find out tomorrow. MLS roster rules or MLS rosters have to be rules compliant by 8 p.m. Friday. It would not surprise me if Ozzy is in that role because I know he's uh, making the uh, senior minimum and is in a supplemental role. And that's kind of the qualifications for it. Or it could be Dom Dwyer. It's going to be one of the two, I believe. Jim continues, I'm curious if any other Atlanta United players have ever participated in this program. Yes, Kubo Torres did actually participate in this program. Turns out, he didn't really get to do a whole lot. Um, he was training a lot with the first team, playing a lot with the first team. Didn't get to really train anyone else. I think had Kevin Kratz not retired, he would have done that. I think it's a really cool idea for the players. I like that MLS and, and the Players Association, If I guess those were the two parties involved in crafting that rule. I'm assuming it started with the last CBA, which started last season. Um, I think Ozzy Alonso is a natural for it. I know he wants to get into coaching. I know he's working on his licenses. Uh, Dom Dwyer, we have not had a chance to talk to yet. Um, hopefully we'll get to do that next week. But he also, I think, would be a natural uh, for that role. So that's a fantastic question and a good way to kind of start off today's big bag of fun. Uh, Matthew has a very, very long question. And he apologizes ahead of time. You'd have to apologize, Matthew. You put the work into it. I'm going to read it. I used to tell people that there was no better professional sporting event you could go to in Atlanta than at a United game. I'm not so sure that's the case anymore. While the club hasn't been as exciting to watch on the field in recent years, there's also less of an event-style atmosphere around the game. The games at Bobby Dodd were amazing, not just because of the soccer that was being played, but because of the atmosphere around the stadium. Getting to the game early to experience what was going on outside of the gates helps make it Lenny United Games a, quote, you-have-to-be-here event. When the club moved to the bins, they still had the fan village and the gulch was lively as well. It feels different now. I haven't seen a fan village at the gate in a while and the atmosphere in the gulch is nothing like it was before. It seems like the backyard is the club's sole fan focus, but that's small and expensive. Games just don't feel like must-see events like they were when the club started. I understand COVID hasn't helped, but do you know of any plans by the club to try to recapture the atmosphere of those first seasons? Or is that just the case of United being something new and now they've been around for a little bit and this is the way it will be going forward? That's a really good question, Matthew, and a really good observation. I've shared my story about the very first Atlanta United game many, many times and how much fun it was and how exciting it was. I think you're right. I think COVID has impacted a lot of the tailgating and a lot of the partying. Uh, you know, the work at the Gulch, I believe there's still work at the Gulch, has impacted a lot of things too. I think you're right in that the club is trying to shift focus to the Home Depot backyard. 
Um, and I, I don't know how expensive it is. I've never had occasion to park there uh, because I don't ever go as a fan to the games. I'm always working uh, at the games. Um, but if you were to share this uh, on social media, I'm sure that Atlanta United would take it into consideration and try to come up with a solution. They do enjoy engaging with the fans while they can be sometimes, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A little standoffish, maybe. They do want to satisfy the fans. So if you were to share this with them, they might try to come up with some sort of solution for you. But it's a good observation, and I appreciate you sharing it. Nick says, I hope you're enjoying your coffee, and here's a space for a sip. You are so sweet, Nick. I was wondering what some of your favorite away trips have been over the years and which ones you're looking forward to this season. My dad and I are planning at least Charlotte and Nashville and hopefully one or two more things. Nick is a student teacher band, Kennesaw Mountain High School. That is cool, Nick. Um, So, oh yeah, my favorite road trips. I have quite a few. I love going to Portland. I love going to Seattle. They are fantastic cities. Fun to do, great walking cities, great food cities, just beautiful, friendly people. I love going to Philadelphia. I like staying in Old Town or City Center, whatever the name of it is. Uh, Same reasons, love walking around, love the history. D.C., I love going to D.C. I've got a good buddy in Orlando I always stay with, so I enjoy going down there, and he always treats me right. Um, I'm very much looking forward to going to Austin. I've never been. I would love to make a whole week of that if I could. Nashville, I love going to. Chicago, I love going to. Um, Charlotte, Charlotte doesn't really do anything for me. Um, I've been there many, many a time. I don't enjoy the city very much, um, but that's okay. I'm sure that there's lots of, I haven't been there in a long time also. I'm sure there's lots of fun things to do. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing the new stadiums in Columbus, Cincinnati, Minnesota, whenever Atlanta goes there. Uh, Road trips, I don't enjoy I don't enjoy um, Los Angeles at all, Dallas at all, Houston at all, Kansas City at all, um, for the uh, same reasons as I don't like going to those others. Uh, it's just not great walking cities, uh, too much traffic, not enough to do. Um, Colorado is out in the middle of a prairie surrounded by just oceans of houses, so I don't enjoy that very much. All the people at those franchises are fantastic. And once you get to the stadium, everything is great. They do fantastic jobs. It's just the actual road trip experience entertainment value is not there for me. Uh, Miami, I'm kind of looking forward to going to. Uh, I love Miami. I love Cuban food. Montreal, my wife and I went there a couple of years ago. Great time there. Toronto, I've never gotten an opportunity really to explore that city. But I'm looking forward to trying to do that this year at some point. I wish the team, I wish Nashville had been moved to the Western Conference because I love going to Nashville. Uh, great food city, great walking city. I love live music. It's one of my favorite things in the world. Um, that's why I go to this little place here in Carrollton all the time called 4 a.m. Roasters. They have live music most every night of, of different varieties. I'm going to go Friday, I think. So anyway, yeah, I appreciate that question, Nick. Thank you very much. Uh, Dr. Fallis says he appreciates my comment on the last podcast regarding the loss of their German Shepherd. It's always tough when you lose a dog. We have two dogs, uh, Roscoe, the scavenger king, who's a little short, black, fat boy um, that uh, was my wife's before we ever started dating. And then we got another dog, uh, Jurgen, 
the one I usually share her photos on Instagram. She's named after Jurgen Klopp. Um, beautiful, smart, still kind of a puppy. Can be a bit of a mess, but we love them both. They're good dogs. They're asleep right now as I'm taping this podcast. I got to take them for a W-A-L-K after this. Now on to the question. Tiago Almeida is in Argentina. Likely won't get a visa till the end of the week, which means that we may not see him in the lineup until maybe mid-March or even later. Who will be our distributing midfielder for the first games? Marino is still not practicing and even fit. His fort is not distributing. Dr. Fallis wishes you a wonderful day. Yeah, I'll be stunned if you see Almeida in the lineup on Sunday. He might be in the game day 18 if he gets back from Argentina. So then will he? would he start at Colorado? Again, that's a tough, tough ask. They still have the five subs. So if you wanted to start him, you could burn a sub after he plays 60 minutes. I think he'll be another coming off the bench in Colorado, and then he would start that third game. So your but your real question is who is going to be the attacking midfielder? I think I think the lineup that you saw in Birmingham is going to be the lineup that you'll see on Sunday against Sporting Kansas City, and likely the lineup you'll see at Colorado, barring any injuries. Coffee sip. So then, who will be the attacking midfielder? Be I think you'll see um, Mateus Uzetu and Amar Sadich rotating around a little bit uh, in that role. Once they started moving and getting forward against Birmingham in that eight-minute stretch, and the wingbacks or fullbacks, I should say, started getting forward against Birmingham, and that eight minutes, Atlanta United tore apart Birmingham, scored three goals, easy peasy. That is what you need to see from the team this year, and we're going to get more into that when I start talking about my thoughts on the team and its season preview once we're done with this mailbag. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now, and on Instagram at Douglas David Robertson. Joshua, friend of the podcast, says, So good to hear your voice on the podcast in anticipation of a new season. Well, thanks, Joshua. For the first time since Frank DeBoer left, I'm bullish on our chances. If Charlotte FC manages to break the single-match attendance record of 72,548, which Don Garber says it is trending toward doing, and his State of the League on Tuesday. Do you think Arthur Blank will be inspired to build an even bigger soccer-specific stadium that would rival Camp Nou to get the record back? No. No. I don't think that, Joshua. Uh, I think they spent $1.6 billion on Mercedes-Benz Stadium. You're not going to see Arthur Blank build another stadium in his lifetime. Uh, You know, people want to say that it's a multi-purpose stadium, But the beauty of Mercedes-Benz Stadium, and this is not me defending Arthur Blank, it's me defending the idea or the theory or the uniqueness of it, is that it is a soccer-specific stadium and that it is a football-specific stadium. That's how it was architected, to borrow stupid TV people phrases when they invent words that don't exist. So I just invented architected. Um, It was built to be able to switch back and forth. So once you're there for soccer, you don't think about it being football. Once you're there for football, you don't think about it being for soccer. That's the brilliance of it. So no, you're not going to see another soccer-specific stadium. Coffee sip. Prediction on which club will have the highest average MLS attendance in 2022? It'll be Atlanta United. Charlotte's roster stinks. Their season is going to stink. About a third of the way through the season, I think you're going to see their attendance crater. They're still selling those stupid PSLs. Ticket prices are exorbitant. Atlanta United will easily win the attendance average title. 
for whatever that's worth. Can you think of another coach being as publicly negative as Miguel Angel Ramirez prior to the start of a season? We are screwed. Couldn't have made his front office or season ticket holders happy. Uh, that is the Charlotte manager, Miguel Angel Ramirez. Um, and he did say we are screwed when asked about the roster and the designated players. I think they've only got 18 players on their roster right now, something like that. Um, and it's not going to be pretty. And this is what's funny about the whole thing. If y'all remember, Charlotte was supposed to come online last year. They were only supposed to have a one-year ramp up, which was just lunacy and madness to try to get everything done. And they got that extra year for COVID, which was fantastic. And they did some of the right things. They hired their manager early. They had a TD early. Um, and then that guy left, um, or the president left, I should say, and they replaced him. And so then they started kind of spinning their wheels, and they just haven't got any player signings. Now, some of the player signings, they've just been unlucky on. Um, they got outbid or there was an injury or something like that. But you got to have backups to backups to backups. And either they've been unlucky in those or they just didn't have a very good plan. So we'll see. When do you predict Atlanta United will implement personal seat license for season ticket holders, if ever? Uh, never. I do not see Atlanta United doing that. I know. I think they did it for football. I think they do it for the Falcons, but I don't see them doing it for Atlanta United. Um, those things, to me, are just awful. I can remember I was living, I think, in North Carolina. Yeah, I was in North Carolina with the Panthers came online in the NFL, and they invented those personal seat licenses. It's a scam. It's stupid. It's greedy, and I hate them. Uh, keep up the great work, sir. Thanks, Josh. On to Jack. Question for the pod, says Jack. I'm going to take a coffee sip. Obviously, Atlanta United debuted the new City in the Forest kit on Saturday, but do you know if they will wear the same primary kit, black with the thin red stripes down the center as last season? It seems a lot of the fans preferred the classic whiter five stripes look, but we haven't heard any indication they will drop a new primary kit. You need to read my stories, Jack. I go into this every time there's a, there's a new kit. MLS teams can change either or can change one of their kits every two years. So this year they will wear that same black kit with the thin red stripes because this will be the second and final year and the team will get a new primary kit next year. It will wear the City in the Forest kit this season and next season and get a new primary kit for the 20 or as a new secondary kit for the 2024 season. So that's how it works in Major League Soccer. Every year you get a new kit, but that kit will stick around for two years. And that will be the case probably as long as they partner with Adidas. Even if they were to get a new partner, I think it's likely going to be the same. And to answer anybody's question about a third kit, Atlanta United will not get a third kit this year. They got one last year. The Unity kit, it was designed to be worn only last year. Designing and producing a kit is a exhaustive, long process. You would think it would be easy, but it's not easy. It takes about a year to get the design, to get the production, to get the distribution. You would think that with today's technology and Adidas's experience, that they could turn these things around fairly quickly, but that is just not what happens. So it's a little bit of a shame. I'm sure that Adidas would love to produce third kits for a lot of teams because I've got to think that some teams could make money and Adidas can make money, but there you go. On to Mark. Hi, Doug. Well, hello, Mark. With Eric Lopez's loan and the rumored buyout of Jurgen Dom, how many roster spots do we have left? What is a pressing need with these roster spots? 
So yeah, Eric Lopez was loaned to Banfield in the longest loan in the history of loans, the process itself. He went there, had to come back. Then they renegotiated, and finally he went down there. So as of two days ago, Atlanta United has 33 players on its roster. MLS rosters allow for a maximum of 30. However, within that 33, you've got Ezekiel Barco, who's actually on loan. So let's take it down to 32. You've got Eric Lopez, who's on loan. Let's take it down to 31. The team's going to buy out Jurgen Dom. I have absolutely no doubt about that. That takes it down to 30. So now you're at your you're at your max. Some players are going to be sent on season-long loans to Atlanta United 2. I don't quite know who those – well, I mean, you can guess a couple of them. Efren Morales, he's going to go. That gets you down to 29. Bryce Washington, maybe. That gets you down to 28. Justin Garces will definitely go. That gets you down to 27. And maybe one of the homegrowns. So that gets you down to 26. So that would be four roster spots available. I don't really know what the need would be. I think that Atlanta United would probably prefer to hold on to them and see if there's an injury, see if there is just a talent that's available out there that they can go and grab to supplement the roster. They got Dom Dwyer as a backup striker. They got Jackson Conway as a backup striker. There's that rumored interest in that other guy uh, coming as on a season-long loan at striker. You know, they need to get some guys healthy and see just what works. Left wing, Tiago Almada, Jake Mulraney, Tyler Wolf. you're covered there. Attacking midfielder, you can play Almada, Moreno, Heinemann, you're covered there. Right wing, you got Araujo, uh, Chol, uh, Mulraney could play on the right, you're covered there. Right fullback, you've got Hernandez and Lennon covered there. Left fullback, you've got Wiley, you've got Gutman, you've got Ambrose covered there. Ambrose, I can see going to Atlanta United too. You don't need three left backs. Either he or Wiley might go on a season-long loan to Atlanta United too. Center back, you could probably use an experienced center back. Um, you got Franco, you got Robinson, you got Campbell, who I think is a real special talent. You got Dijon, you got Washington, but he's young. Wouldn't surprise me if he goes to Atlanta United 2 on loan also. Um, maybe an experienced center back might be a need. Going to Sean, and this is the last question, and then I'm going to throw it to a break, and then we're going to go into the season preview. Do you think Atlanta United will ever get a soccer-specific stadium? That would be a big old negatory, Sean. I answered that one a little bit ago and listed my reasons. Okay, so that's going to wrap up the mailbag. Uh, right now, I'm going to toss it to a break. This is Southern Fried Soccer with your host, Doug Robertson, from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Ernie Suggs. And I'm Ned Ravone. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologeticallyATL. And we're back with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. As always, this is Doug Robertson. You can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now and on Instagram at Douglas David Robertson. Uh, we have a special promo 
For y'all, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution has a special offer for Atlanta United supporters and listeners to this podcast. If you subscribe today, you will not only get unlimited digital access to the AJC and the Sunday paper for $2.30 a week, but we are also throwing in a special limited edition Atlanta United and Atlanta Journal-Constitution scarf. So sign up now at subscribe.ajc.com slash utdscarf. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash utdscarf. So the focus of the big story in the season preview is on Gonzalo Pineda and just kind of about his ability to connect with people. A coach is more than just a guy who says, you go here, you go here. You have to make people want to do those things. So here is Brad Guzan talking about Gonzalo Pineda and how he's able to connect with players. Really good. At, at this level, you know, and whether it's the NBA, the NFL, Major League Baseball, NHL, whatever professional league, very rare, unless you've got an academy kid coming through who's 17, 18, very rarely will you see a manager go and change and, and make a Joseph Martinez even better or change Joseph Martinez's habits or, or ways that he trains or um, make him a better player. The job then of the manager is, is essentially man management and how do you get the best out of Joseph Martinez consistently day in and day out. And I think he does a very good job of, of having um, those relationships, whether it be small conversations inside the, the, the training facility, whether it be off the field, on the field, talking soccer, talking about family, building those relationships are, are massive uh, at this level. I think if you la- ask any professional athlete, um, they would much rather give everything they have for a manager that not only cares about them as the athlete, but as, as the person as well. I think that might be the highest praise that you can give a manager coming from a guy who's played for a lot of managers. So that's a pretty big feather in Gonzalo Pineda's cap. Now, for those new to the team, Gonzalo Pineda came in probably about two-thirds of the way through the last season. Um, He came in after the team fired uh, the disaster that was Gabriel Heinze. Rob Valentino was able to right the ship. I think Rob shares a lot of the same qualities as Pineda does. And then the team finished well. It finished strong. So this is Pineda's first full training camp, his first real opportunity to put his entire stamp on the team. So Brad was asked about the difference that makes with Gonzalo Pineda being here now from the start of the season as opposed to parachuting in during the middle of the season. Yeah, it's, you know, um, it's been huge. And and I would say not because he's been here for the whole preseason, but because we we got to to understand him a little bit throughout last year. And, um, you know, I wouldn't say it's been the same as last year just because now he's had a six-week period to to really work with us day in and day out um, in terms of fitness, in terms of real tactics, um, and have time to implement those ideas that part is always crucial, and so that's been that's been extremely beneficial. I think more so probably for the outfield guys, right, in terms of what's being asked of them from the coaching staff. I think that this team has the potential to be pretty special this season. I think it has the potential 
to challenge for the Supporter Shield, won last year by New England. But to do that, the team has got to play within Pineda's system, whatever it might be. And it may change during the year. Pineda is nothing if not flexible. If something isn't working, he'll scrap it. If something is working, he'll try to build on it. If he discovers that the talents and skills of the players aren't quite fit for plan A, then he will switch to plan B. So you may see several changes during the season. You may see the formation shift back from a back four, which is what they've been playing this spring, to the back five that he used last year. We don't know. But if the team will do what it did against Birmingham, make runs into space, break lines, challenge defenses, I think it could it could easily hit the 70 goals that it scored in 2017 and 2018. It could challenge for the supporter shield. It could break a run in the playoffs. Joseph Martinez looks better. Luis Araujo, if he can cut down on his turnovers a little bit, has the potential to be an MVP in this league. At least 10 goals, at least 10 assists. Tiago Almada is a bit of a wild card, but I think he has the ability. He just can't be Barco 2.0. That's part of the season preview package, five storylines for the season. Um, One of those is, will Tiago Almada come good? Another is, can this team hold on to leads? I want you to read those. I'm not going to share my thoughts on those. I want you to read them uh, by subscribing to the AJC. So let's listen to Andrew Gutman. Uh, came in this year. He was on loan last year with Red Bulls. He has taken over at left fullback following the sale of George Bello to Armenia Bielefeld. How well he's learning Pineda's system. I think every day I'm, I'm learning it a little bit better. I'm understanding what my role is, but also what the roles of people around me are so I can play with them uh, with more fluidity and, and continuity. Um, you know, but it's still a work in progress, you know, still really early in the season. So hopefully day by day we just improve a little bit each time. You played for quite a few different managers uh, the past couple of years. What makes uh, Gonzalo Pineda's ability to, to connect personally with players uh, maybe – better than than others you play for yeah i think uh it's just a kind of a unique quality he has and i can't pinpoint why he has it but it's you just get the feel about him that you know he he really cares for you as as more than a player as a person um you know and i think it also stems from him being a former player he understands what our, our daily mentality is um you know whether it's ups downs you know whatever we're going through he can kind of relate to and i think that's a really good quality to have as a coach and within that story, you're gonna about Panetta. You'll see. I talked to Brian Schmetzer. I talked to Christian Roldan, and they talked about Panetta's ability to connect uh, personally and emotionally. Um, so now let's turn to the season. I asked uh, Brad if this team is ready for the opener, and he gave a glib but accurate response. Ready or not, the game's coming. So. We'll be ready. What have been the good things about the preseason? Uh, I think just overall in terms of understanding what's being asked from the coaching staff, patterns of play, ideas, the cohesiveness um, has certainly shown through uh, at, at different points, which is, uh, is certainly a positive. And then, of course, the follow-up to that is what's still under construction with this team? Uh, everything. Um, listen, it's it's the first game of, of a long season ahead, and so there's 
you know, there's going to be moments when it's helter-skelter and it's, it's crazy and it's chaotic. There's going to be moments that hopefully it, it looks like we've been training for the last six months. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, you know, there's going to be times when uh, we need to be able to, to weather a storm here, there, and they're entitled to have the ball as well. Um, and so, um, you know, it's, it should be good. <laughs> what you didn't hear, uh, what Jay cut out of that clip is Brad admonishing me a little bit. He did not like uh, a comment I had made on Twitter from the Birmingham game about how the team looked uh, like it was starting slow, like it lacked intensity, and he kind of called me out on that a little bit. Um, so when y'all see me tweet that kind of stuff, this is why. Pineda has talked about, and Brad has talked about, wanting to come out fast, wanting to jump on teams quick, wanting to get that first goal because typically teams that get that first goal get the results. To score, you have to move. Atlanta United against Birmingham was not moving. It was a lot of static. It was a lot of, of standing around. So when I say that the team looks like it lacks intensity, I'm basing that off visually what I'm not seeing, and that is movement. The players could be intense, Emotionally, they could be focused. They, they could feel good physically. So when I say that, I'm talking about I don't see runs. I don't see sharp passing. I don't see determination based upon exertion. So that's what I mean when I say that. So now let's turn to Atlanta United's schedule. 34-game schedule, 16 now nationally televised games with the move of the Charlotte game uh, from that Saturday to that Sunday to be featured on ABC. Three Atlanta United games, at least three, are going to be played to full capacity. The opener, Austin on July 9th, and then Seattle, manager Gonzalo Pineda's former team, on August 6th. Features eight games against teams from the Western Conference. Kansas City, Colorado, at Kansas City, at Colorado, I should say, at Nashville. Um, Oh, yeah, they do play Nashville this year. Awesome. Versus Austin, versus Real Salt Lake, at LA Galaxy, versus Seattle, and at Portland. I will be traveling this season, it looks like. I'm not going to go to Colorado because my wife uh, has been busting her butt uh, practicing for a play in our community theater, 9 to 5, and that opens next weekend, and I will be there for that. I cannot go out of town. I cannot miss this. It's too important to her. It's too important to the family. And if you live in Carrollton or Dallas or Villarica or Douglasville, come watch 9 to 5 at the Carrollton Arts Center. Um, Anyway, so this year's schedule is interesting. Because of the World Cup being moved to the winter, the schedule starts, of course, Sunday, and it ends in late October, or early October, October 9th. MLS Cup will end, and then the World Cup will start in early November, I believe it is. So the schedule is built that Atlanta United will play most of its games, will only have one game a week, absent the U.S. Open Cup. Only one league game a week. There's only five midweek games this year, which is just crazy compared to last year, which when it was uh, like 10, I think, midweek games, something like that. It was crazy. So that's good for Atlanta United because it gives players like Joseph Martinez a chance to rest and recover. Uh, for most of the games, that's fantastic. The longest stretch of consecutive road games is three. At the end of June, it's a tough stretch at Toronto, 
at Red Bulls, which always has Atlanta United's number, and at reigning champs NYCFC. It does have a stretch where it plays four out of five on the road in April at D.C. United, at Charlotte, in the second meeting against the expansion team. That's the one that was moved that Sunday. At home against Cincinnati, and then at Miami and at Montreal. You know, that that's a kind of a tough stretch, but not as tough as it could be. The longest stretch of consecutive home games is three, coming in July, Austin, Real Salt Lake, and Orlando. The toughest stretch, I think, is going to be the final four games, all against teams that made the playoffs last year, at Orlando versus Philadelphia, at New England, and the finale against NYCFC. Those five midweek games, June 30th at Red Bulls, July 13th at Real Salt Lake, or at home against Real Salt Lake, August 17th at home against Red Bulls, August 31st at Philadelphia, September 14th at Orlando. So I really haven't gone through and figured out how many points that I think Atlanta United can get this season. But I think 62-63 is not out of the realm of possibility. Um, A lot is just going to depend upon injuries. Uh, A lot is just going to depend upon good luck. New England had 73 points last year to win the Supporter Shield. Philadelphia came in second at 54. I think Atlanta United can get 60 this year. It just depends on luck, and it depends on them playing within Atlanta United system. Joseph Martinez, here's a few predictions for you. I think we'll reach at least 20 goals. Arujo, I think we'll get at least 10 goals, 10 assists. If Almeida plays in the middle, at least 10 goals, 10 assists. If he's on the wing, I think at least five goals, 10 assists. Who are going to be the other goal scorers? We're just going to have to see. But if that attacking trident can come good, if they can combine to score at least 30 goals this season, I think Atlanta United is going to be very, very difficult to stop. Atlanta United scored 45 goals last season with Joseph Martinez, the leading goal scorer, with 12. I haven't even talked about guys like Marcelino Moreno, the goals he can score. Jake Moraney, his goal this season is to score more goals. Brooks Lennon, Andrew Gutman coming in on the wings. Emerson Hyman, who always seems to score a couple of important goals this season. So there you go. The defense. I think with Miles Robinson and Alan Franco, I think Alan Franco is going to have a monster year in Major League Soccer this year. I was not impressed by him at the beginning of last season, but as you went through the year, he got better and better and better. He and Miles Robinson, I think, are probably the best center back tandem in Major League Soccer this season, or among the best center back tandems in Major League Soccer this season. We'll have to see how Brooks Lennon bounces back from his injury. Ronald Hernandez will start in the meantime. I have concerns about him defensively. Not really concerns about him going forward. Andrew Gutman started the preseason hot. Kind of cooled off a little bit, but I think he's going to come good. I think he's a very good player. I think maybe he's a little more uh, disciplined than George Bellow defensively. I don't know if he'll be as good going forward as George Bellow, but we shall see. The biggest concern I have is that attacking midfielder spot. I think that it should be Tiago Almada in the attacking midfielder spot, but I think that Pineda is going to play him on the wing and put Marcelino Moreno as the attacking midfielder. I think Moreno dribbles too much, doesn't pass enough, but... Hopefully Pineda can coach him up. I know Pineda is a big admirer of Moreno's. So if he can coach him up, if Moreno will get his head up, not dribble quite as much as he started to do toward the end of last season, this team could be pretty special. We'll just have to see. And again, 
all the preseason preview stuff is going to be in Sunday's AJC. It'll pop up online here at some point. I don't know what the schedule is just yet for it. It includes a story about Gonzalo Pineda. It includes conference predictions. It includes a player-by-player look at the roster. It includes five storylines to watch this season. It includes a Q&A with Brad Guzan. All right, I'm going to wrap up this Southern Fried Soccer podcast. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now, on Instagram at Douglas David Robertson. Please consider subscribing to the AJC. Please consider subscribing or at least reading all the content done by everyone else who covers not only Atlanta United, but just all the guys that contribute to the tapestry that is soccer coverage, Major League Soccer coverage in the United States, Canada, and even overseas. A lot of these guys work in women, work very, very hard. Uh, They do it for their love of the game. The least that we can do is digest their content, talk about their content, tell them thank you on social media. Um, It goes a long way. It really does. Uh, A lot of these are labors of love for a lot of these folks. Um, So give them some recognition. Give them a pat on the back and hug somebody you love. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Talk to y'all later.